Support for our show comes solely from listeners like yourself. If you like what we're doing, help us by sharing the pod on social media and leaving us a five-star review, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Audible. Thanks again for listening, and without further ado, let's start the show. I'm Stephanie Roselle. I teach mathematics at St. Pete High, and I need the union because somebody needs to negotiate my salary and my benefits. I can do that myself. So simple as that. We all need it. Hey guys, welcome back to PCTA's Fire Podcast. I'm Brennan Pickett. I'm the FBA Director and Fire Coacher at PCTA. I'm Philip Belcastro. I'm Fire Co-Chair at PCTA. I'm Emily Delapaz. I'm a Learning Design Coach at Pasco County Schools. And you might also know me as Brennan's amazing, intelligent, stunning wife. And I'm Haley Hamblin. I'm Brennan's mommy. (laughs) (laughs) I hate you. I was wondering who you were this whole time we were sitting here. And we're here today to talk about the continuing mass shootings that happen yeah, in this one? country. <laughs> yeah, all of them, right? But specifically, we're talking about the Nashville shooting that happened recently. And I'm going to start off because my mother is a very unique person. Um, she is someone who actually survived a shooting at a school. So in case listeners are not familiar, there was a shooting at Pinellas Park High School in 1988. It involved the death of an AP, an assistant principal, Richard Allen. And was there any students who were... There were um, two other people that were injured that recovered fully. Um, one was he was a senior at USF doing an internship. And the um, other person was Nancy Blackwelder. She was an assistant principal at the school. So I kind of want to start just by hearing my mother's story. So basically, I want you to describe your experience at Pinellas Park High School in 1988. And I want to kind of think about how does this affect you as a student? And then progressing, how does this affect you as a mother later with your children being sent to school? And then kind of bring us to 2023. How does this affect you now thinking about your son who's a high school teacher? Wow, you're making me go back 35 years. Has It's been that long since the shooting at Pinellas Park. Um, one of the things that frustrates me and some of my peers that attended school at that time is that Pinellas Park was forgotten. Um, Columbine is always remembered in Pinellas Park. And I don't know why, if it's only because one person died or only because three people were shot. But we're never remembered. Very strange. But yes, I was a, a sophomore in high school in 1988 at Pinellas Park High School. I was in a science classroom um, when the shooting took place. How far was that away from the actual shooting? It was directly off the cafeteria. There was a small window that looked directly into the cafeteria from the shooting. I don't remember what we were studying in school that day. Well, you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think, Bigger so, news I, happening. I think something else may have uh, I just been remember, important. Yeah, I just, it's one of those things you just don't, I knew it was a science class. And the first thing we remember is hearing what sounded like firecrackers. Of course, everyone says that. The first one, we just were like, what is that? And a bunch of us ran over to the door that had the little window because we were like, what in the world is that? It's not, Why would someone be putting off fireworks in the middle of lunchtime? So we ran to the window and we saw kids just flying in opposite directions. Because at Pinellas Park, the cafeteria is situated directly in the middle of the school. 
So children were fleeing at every direction. By the time we heard the second shot, we were pretty sure that that was a gunshot at that point because we were seeing everyone. And I think instinctually, we all just kind of dove under a desk. I, I don't remember so much of it, but a lot of it I do that. So instinctually, it was like Cold War. Yes. We're being nuked. Yes. It's like, you know, World <laughs> War II. Oh, my God. Hit the door. You know, we the were. The war was coming from inside the school. <laughs> and we had never heard of something like this. So we were just like, all right, what do we do? Let's get under our desk. That's what we did. And a couple of us that were a little bit braver would jump over to the door to look out and see oh what was God. going on. Um, yeah, I happened to be one of those. I wanted to know what was going on. I was nosy and they weren't saying anything over the intercom. They had no procedure. There was no drill for this. There was nothing. So we wanted to know what the hell was going on. We looked out the window and the only thing I can tell you, I did not see blood. I didn't see anything like that, but I did see his feet. He was behind, I don't know what to call it, like some tables, and everyone was starting, like the adults were rushing to him, Mr. Allen I'm referring to, and as the kids fled, the cops were lined up outside the building shooting towards the school. There were literally a bullet mark in the brick outside the building that was there for years. What What do you remember about Mr. Allen? I didn't see him very much because I wasn't a bad kid. I mean, I, trust me, I had my issues with Blackwelder, but not Alan. And everybody loved him. He seemed to be the man that when, you know, the troubled kids had problems, they had always hand him over to Mr. Allen because he was always the best at dealing with them. And I think he was in the middle of breaking out of a fight, right? There was well, a that's fight what that was happened. Happening. Yeah. Um, what happened was, and I, you know, there was a Jason and a Jason, Jason Harless and Jason McCoy. I don't know which one's which. All I know is that one of the Jasons was carrying a gun and had bragged about it. And the kids told the administration, Alan Blackwilder, this kid's got a gun. So they went up to go get it from him in the middle of eating lunch. They went up to him to approach him and a fight ensued where they were screaming and yelling. And as he was pulling out his gun, the other Jason came up and got involved. Now, all I know is that like I said, Alan and Blackwilder, um, they were all three shot. And they went out the very front doors of Pinellas Park. And the police was literally standing outside shooting at them. My friend from Morgan Fitzgerald, thank you. She could see everything happening as it transpired and saw all the cops standing outside, like aiming like a bank robbery. You know, a lot of us were so angry. And one of the things that I always tell people about the shooting, Brennan, is the day we left after, you know, they didn't know what to do with us. They didn't know about locking down or anything. They were like, go home, go home now, go to your bus, go to your car, go home. So we did. And me being a 15-year-old delinquent, um, I was riding home with my friend who had a Camaro with a sunroof. And I stood up out of the sunroof and I flicked off all the news people <laughs> because I was so <laughs> angry that they were there and pro- you know, on our space and this horrible thing had happened. Yeah. We didn't know what was going on. And I was just like, F you people, <laughs> because, well, I was 15. Oh, but, you the know, 80s. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a, kind of a rebellious kind of, you know, like, I don't want you here. We've got our, our own grief to deal with. And we were kind of expected to just go on as normal, Brennan. There, I mean, I know that they offered counseling. But we were all like, you going to that? No. Mm -hmm. You going? No. So nobody went. But nothing's really changed either. I was going to say, that that story is remarkably similar to our scare that we had at our school. With 
firecrackers. With actual firecrackers. firecrackers. And it was at lunchtime. And there was... Ca- now, this was, would you say, 35 years ago, this was? 1988. So... There, you know, there were no alarms, no systems in place back then, and now we have alarms and systems. But guess what didn't function? What didn't work? What nobody pulled on the day that somebody lit off firecrackers at our school, where we all thought we were being shot at? There were still no alarms, no bells, no whistles, nothing, and we had the exact same reaction. And the chaos, chaos, just the students running in all directions, everybody running in all hitting directions, hitting the fences, jumping over fences, running across Fifth Avenue, yep. and that's pretty much what happened during our shooting because there was no. People took off, ran across the street to Morgan right. Fitzgerald, ran to Seven Eleven down the street. I mean, they were scared. But yes, how has it affected me with my children? You being one of them, you know, it was something that I thought about on a regular basis. And I guess you kind of just push it back in your mind because you don't want it to be like the number one thing that scares you every single day. Brennan knows that one of the things that I told him on a regular basis, every day as I dropped him off, make a choices and I love you. You know, make a good choice. If he saw someone with a gun, he would say something or, you know, he would just make a good choice, period. It did terrify me, but what are you supposed to do? Leave your kid home? I I didn't feel that I was equipped to educate you the way you deserve to be educated. You just have to move on. Yeah, you You have to. Because the country's not gonna do anything about it. No, and you know, by the time I started sending you to school, you know, I did already been how many years since mine? So I was like, oh, you know, maybe it'll change, maybe it won't, but nothing was. That's kind of like the interesting thing about the the American psyche right now is, you know, we hear about all these school shootings, but we we know there's been movie theater shootings, there's been mall shootings, there's been, you know, it's just there's no place that's really immune to it. So as a parent, I can't I can't imagine letting that occupy a lot of space in your brain. No, Otherwise, how, how it would just you be do constant. Your day? So be careful yeah. when you go to school. Be careful when you go to the mall. Mm-hmm. Be careful when you go to church. Be careful when you go, like it's just everything everywhere. Absolutely. Uh, all at once. <laughs> <laughs> Give this man an Oscar. Give him all of the Oscars. <laughs> you are listening to PCTA's Fire Podcast. I'm here today with Philip Castro, Haley Hamblin, and Emily Delapaz speaking on mass shootings. Why? Why is this continuing to happen? And I'm so happy to have my wife here, my mother here. Like, there's different reasons, there's different perspectives to kind of think about this. Oh, I think that we were talking about this earlier as we were preparing for the podcast. And I think part of it, a lot of it is money. I think it all comes back to money, whether it's through the NRA, whether it's through politicians who are seeking power. I also think at this point in time that America is just a very jaded country for a lot of different reasons. But this has happened again and again and again. Like Haley was saying, this Mm -hmm. was happening in the 1980s. I think that in order for us to just get up out of bed every single day, we do have to kind of tuck it away And we do have to just keep moving forward. So I think that a lot of the country kind of feels like nothing's going to change. I mean, when you think back to Sandy Hook and actual little babies were dying and nothing was done about it, I think a huge part of our hearts just kind of gave up. Because if things didn't change then and this continuously happens, I don't know what else could change it. 
think I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. Sandy Hook might have been the pinnacle. It might have been the pinnacle. It might have been the time to change, and they just won't do it. Totally dropped the ball on it. Nothing really happened. Mm -hmm. Think about it. All those. Those babies. They're babies. They were babies when they Mm -hmm. died. I think they were first grade, right? Mm -hmm. They were were young. They were babies. They were young. I think the one that really, like, sets me off and still makes me very sad and very angry when I think about it is Uvalde. Valde, mm-hmm. Texas, because just a, just the absolute fiasco that that was incompetence, of, uh, incompetence, yeah. right? And the I, I mean, talk about being jaded. The cops were not entering the building, instead arresting parents for trying to get into the building. I mean, that's insane. And to they make. were terrified of the automatic weapon that he was yielding. Right. He just went on a shooting spree. It was Have horrible. you guys seen the surveillance footage on that? I refuse. I, I have don't watched wanna. the whole thing. It is. It's jarring. I know there's footage of the Nashville one. Also, I don't want to yeah. see any of it. I mean, I'm I'm young enough that I remember. I think I was home on on the day that Columbine happened for some reason. Like I had the flu, and I sat. I was parked in front of the TV, and you know, you know, I I also remember 9/11 of just being parked in front of the TV for just months. And it was like that for Columbine, too, because I was I mean, I was about to go into high school. So I was I was in like eighth grade and I'm sitting there watching this and I, you know, the news at that time, you know, it was all sensationalized too, trying to get, you know, viewers and everything. So they were showing all the footage of the kids in the trench coats and all. And I'm, I'm just, just I, I feel like it is burned into my own psyche. And I do think about that stuff when I go into work every day. And it's, it's pretty messed up that this is like a recurring thing for us. And uh, we actually had a similar conversation about school shootings in our classroom because on Friday we had an active shooter drill in seventh period. They're desensitized to it also. And I have to, you know, I do I do the drills. I shut the lights off. I close the windows and the blinds and everything. I have to ask the kids. I said, have we done this in this class before? And they're like, no, 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 no. And I said, well, do you know where the rally points are? No, nobody ever told us. So it's like I'm, re- I'm relaying basic information that obviously they're not getting during the other the other drills and I'm just kind of going over stuff and I always tell them about what happened with the firecrackers at our school of how nothing worked the way it's supposed to and I also tell them how my own sister was was in the 9-11 attack she was in building 7 so she got out and she was also watching a show in Mandalay Bay when that guy opened fire outside the, the casino and my sister always says the same thing that like you kind of expect things to work you expect like the alarms to go off and you expect the people to show up and be there when they're supposed to and it just doesn't work that way it's chaos mm. so you know you can drill and you can practice and you can be prepared for all of these things and i saw that woman on the news with the bulletproof door that like or the bulletproof uh classroom folding too. wall whatever that is you can get all the bulletproof classroom folding walls you want and bulletproof backpacks and bulletproof blankets and all these things are they going to be there when you need it you know, mm. the good guys with the guns, are they going to be there when you need it? Our building at St. Pete High is a 1920s concrete slab. Right. All it takes is one guy opening a door and just opening fire and it's game over. Exactly. We have two courtyards, two older courtyards and one really big new courtyard that are both shooting galleries. If somebody if somebody were to actually cause a threat during lunchtime where all the students, all 1,800 students are congregated in the exact same place. So what? Do you just get like an armored car to take all the kids to class? Like, I, <laughs> like what, where are we heading? No, we do what your mom said. We bury our feelings. We don't think about it. We go to work. 
Or we do what else I said. We need to arm absolutely everyone. The kindergartners, the janitors, the lawn maintenance guys, because they're going to be our first, you know, defense right there at the door. I mean, literally <laughs> everyone, guys. Absolutely. The janitor lady, she needs a gun. <laughs> Maybe that leaf blower guy who's the always leaf blowing blower, every morning. Well, his leaf blower absolutely. is a gun. Yeah, his leaf blower is definitely killing me every day. So, <laughs> so instead of recess, they're going to have gun, gun practice. Yes. <laughs> well, what are we going to do? It's just learned no, helplessness at this point. We go to school. Mm-hmm. We do our job. And then in the back of our minds, every single day, we think this could be the one. Right. That, that's, that's all I think about. This could be the one. And I don't think about it every minute of the day, but it does cross my mind every so often. I said, this could be the school day. Yeah. I could have kissed my wife for the last time. I, I said to my students on Friday when we were talking about the drill, I said, because we had that and this is what we did in my room at that time. And, you know, we, I was getting, I was stacking furniture in front of the door. And I said, my, the only thing going through my brain the whole time was the next time I open this door, am I going to see children that I know dead? Am I going to see children that I know with their brains and their guts blown out the, the next time I open up this door? Because I have no idea what's on the other side of it. And just thinking about the firecracker moment, mm-hmm. right? That day it happened. Me and you were standing outside our doors pulling kids to our rooms. Yeah. And then we got we got basically reams for that by other people. Like, why would you do that? Why would you open your door and let kids in? Like, what? Am I supposed to let 16, yeah. 15, 14-year-old kids just scared out of their minds getting mowed down by a gun? Mm-hmm. It's incredibly sad. Like, I'm not going to have kids banging on my doors. Yeah scared no that's not who i I am i had a similar situation at my school about two months ago we had an unannounced lockdown um in the middle of our homeroom which is a pretty free-range time period where kids have a home base but they can go to different teachers if they need homework help or if they need to make up any work if they were absent so that is a very frequent time for kids to roam the hallways and it happened during that time Um, They didn't announce anything at all over the intercom. We have an app on our computers called Crisis Go. I don't know if you have something that's similar. If there's an emergency, they're supposed to send out an alert um, that lets all teachers know that it's real, it's happening. It worked for every other teacher except for me. So I had no idea what was going on. And I sent a kid out because he was done with the test and he was going back to his homeroom class. And two minutes later, he comes back and he has this look of panic in his eyes. And he says, Miss Delapaz, my teacher won't let me in. And I've been pounding on the door for two minutes. And I don't know what's happening, but everybody has their windows blacked out. And I feel like something's happening. So I had to remain calm in that moment. And I just calmly told my kids and they knew right away that it was serious, that something was happening. I told them we have this protocol um, where we have to put kids in hard corners um, so that's away from the door away from the windows and they just did exactly what I asked them to do I was pulling kids in and I know I'm not supposed to do that similar to you guys Um, and I was told by my coworkers after the fact that they weren't letting children in but I felt like it was the right thing to do. You can't just leave kids out there. At that point, you're just playing God, aren't you? Yeah. Right. Deciding. You're like you're like the last lifeboat captain on the Titanic. Yeah. Like, what are you supposed to do? And they're terrified. Right. Those are the kids that are freaking out. They don't know what to do despite our trainings. Mm-hmm. Absolutely traumatizing. Exactly. Our students um, on the day with the firecrackers were telling me, and thankfully they didn't tell me which teachers it was because I would be I would have a completely different opinion of my colleagues if I if I ever knew who it was. But they were telling me similar stories how 
Um, teachers were refusing to let them in. Teachers were opening up their doors and tell them to go to their own classroom. Um, other teachers were like wringing their hands so badly that they were bruised the next day because they just didn't know what to do or just couldn't imagine like not coming home to their families. I mean, I mean that's to me heartbreaking. I, it's heartbreaking, I mean, and it's not it's not part of the job to have mm-hmm. like this type of stewardship mm-hmm. over the classroom. For me to black out the windows and pile furniture in front of the door was like I. I mean, that's what they told us to do. That's all I can do, right? Get as many kids and then just just blockade. But to to know that there are other t- people on campus that collapse, they melt down, they, they cease to function in a time of emergency, that is more scary in a lot of ways to me. You are listening to PCTA's Fire Podcast. We're speaking on mass shootings in schools and students and gun violence. I'm here today with Philip Belcastro. My wife, Emily Delapaz, and my lovely mother, Haley Hamblin. What steps should we as a nation be taking to regulate the problem of gun violence, especially in our schools? Maybe I can get like a rifle in my back. Oh my god. <laughs> two two revolvers in my in my side, like right? Rambo? Wild West. No, no, I'm going I'm going Wild West. Wild oh, West. Wild West. Cowboy boots. Yes. With some spurs. With the spurs. On, with the spurs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I make this joke a lot. It's like kind of getting old, but I think I have like instead of a door, I can have like those swing doors from a saloon, right? You following me here? Mm-hmm. And um, you might be thinking, but what about locking your door? I don't need to lock my door anymore. I got three guns. <laughs> and I can just walk in every day and be like, we gonna learn how to write today? Yeah. <laughs> and if the kid says no, I just kind of show my gun. I'm like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> Pickett is gonna change run, hide, fight to fight, 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 fight. <laughs> and Partner. to be fair, a lot of politicians want you to have a gun in the Absolutely. classroom. So this is the solution, I think. And I think we can get money from that too. Well, I've I've said before that this argument that that teachers should be armed is coming at it. It's coming at it from the approach of somebody who has never been a teacher. Obviously, because there is, I mean, if you, if, if I was required to, or if it was suggested that I bring a gun to my classroom, there is just nothing on earth that is going to make me shoot one of my students. Like, I mean, these are kids that I know. These are kids that I know about their lives. Like I know their, their faces, their grades, their handwriting. I mean, yes, a life and death situation could potentially occur, you know, hopefully not. But I'm not going to see an enemy. I'm not going to see a threat if that happens. I'm going to see my student. I'm going to see a child. Absolutely. And it's going to be extremely difficult and almost, un- I mean, it's just unimaginable, nearly impossible that I would ever pull the trigger on somebody that I do not view as a fret- threat. It's somebody that I view as my student. That's Sorry. something I, I think that people forget about, too, that you're surrounded by these children day in and day out mm-hmm. uh-huh. for, what, 10 months out of the year? Yeah. But if one of them screw up and pull out a gun, you're supposed to shoot them? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, Philip, are you saying we cannot fight fire with fire? Oh and by fire, I'm saying Florida's Young Remarkable Educators. Am I right, guys? <laughs> oh. He was waiting the whole oh. podcast for that. <laughs> Rickety tickety. <laughs> I got no respect. <laughs> I think that talking about it helps. I don't think it's the only solution, but I am guilty of this as well. And I was talking about this earlier. I think a lot of people like I was at work when I heard about the Nashville shooting and I was eating lunch with my coworkers and someone saw it on their phone and shared it 
with us and we had that typical reaction of like, oh no, not again. And then we kind of just moved on with our conversation. And it speaks to the fact, as we mentioned before, that we're so desensitized to it. But I do think not moving on with our day, not doing business as usual and stopping and reflecting and talking about it every single time it happens does have an effect. I'm so guilty of that. I think Mm -hmm. you and I in our apartment, when you say to me, what, you aren't upset about Nashville? And I say, I mean, it's another one a week. I mean, do I have, do I really need to, it's going to sound bad when I say this, but do I need to deeply care about every single time we have a mass shooting? I shouldn't have to feel that way. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What I really want to say is I shouldn't have to feel this way, but I do feel this way because it's never going to get fixed. For people listening I mean, I, I'll speak for myself. I'm not anti-gun. Like, I, what I am as I am pro-people knowing how to use them, people using them responsibly. I mean, I mean, if they really want guns in school, maybe they should have, like, a gun safety class. Like, maybe they should just teach people how to use them. I mean, there are countries that do that. My old high school in New York, um, I remember very vividly in the gym. There it is. All right. I mentioned New York. I'm sorry, clock. <laughs> um, my high school gym in New York, uh, they had like like pennants hanging on the wall uh, for like rifle rifle championships that they had won as a school from like the 60s and 70s and stuff. And legend has it that in the basement of my high school in New York, there was a firing range. I don't know if that's true because we only went down there to like wrestle in this one filthy boiler room. Yeah. <laughs> this is some Long Island <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. And there was a bit of knives yeah, where we yeah. used to stab each other. Yeah. <laughs> and then we ate a bowl of spaghetti. <laughs> uh, I feel personally attacked, but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I I don't I I'm not saying I'm I'm not anti-gun. I think people should just be smarter about them. And the, I don't know if being smarter about guns is filling the schools with them and filling like every you know teacher that who is like who is supposed to be a professional educator, not a professional marksman. Like, what are you gonna like? You know, <laughs> no scope, three sixty, an active assailant in between teaching biology. Like that doesn't even make any sense. My father has like 20 guns Mm -hmm. and he's a big gun guy, but I think he would also stand by my side and say, we need to be safe with our guns and actually teach people how to be safe with guns. Mom, question I don't know. Did dad have guns when I was a kid? Absolutely. Absolutely. I do not remember ever seeing a gun when I was a child in this house. Absolutely not, because they were kept in the attic or he kept them at his parents' house. Mm -hmm. Never saw them. Nope. And... That's the thing. These kids, they could just walk into their parents' room and take these guns. Yeah. That would never happen. My dad has a safe. My dad locks them away. My dad hides them from us. My dad, my dad loves guns. Right. He hunts. He's a big gun guy. He's from Indiana, guys. I come from Indiana and Ohio people. We love guns. We love being redneck. But <laughs> to think that if I can have that, why can't everyone have that? And I think there should be some kind of government regulation to make sure we have that because not everyone is safe with their weapons. That reminds me of um, what state was that in where that just happened, where a first grade teacher was shot by her student? Virginia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he got that weapon from home, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so I do agree with you, Bren, that there needs to be regulations because a lot of parents are not responsible with Mm -hmm. their firearms around their children and things like that happen. And they should be held accountable. 
Yeah. Absolutely. I hate to say that, but these parents need to be sued. Like, mm-hmm. full disclosure, we're probably going to do another episode about this because me and some of the other teachers who have been on this podcast literally just today finished a concealed carry class. And we obviously want to talk about that in relation to um, school shootings and guns in the classroom. Um, and for, for me, I think it was an overwhelmingly positive experience to learn about. I mean, it is it is a weapon. It is a tool. And it is a, a powerful device that people should be educated about. And especially the laws and the safety around it. We, we did it on purpose because we want to know about it. We, you know, even though Florida is an open carry state, I believe. Is that accurate? Does anybody know? It's just passed recently. It's yeah. an open carry state. So it's an open carry state. I mean, you don't even need the qualifications to do this stuff. But as somebody who is interested in being educated about powerful, I made the comparison to uh, to uh, Rizelle in the car. I was saying, you know, I own uh, power tools also. It doesn't mean I'm a carpenter. It doesn't mean I'm just going to go out and build a house. Like, I just know how to use them in case I need to. So, I mean, that's kind of how I approach gun safety. I'm not anti-gun. I'm pro-education of guns. <laughs> I don't think that narrative's being said enough left-leaning Democratic voters are usually labeled as these gun Nazis in a way. Like, oh, we can't have any guns at all. It's like, we're all American. I think most people believe in the Second Amendment. And it's pretty okay to say guns are all all right. Mm -hmm. They need to be controlled. Shooting is crazy fun. It's like shooting is fun and it is a skill. Like to, to be able to say that you like hit a target you know, at so many feet away. I mean, I play music too, and be able to say that you learned a song, to be able to say that you learned a solo to, you know, uh, Hotel California. I mean, it is an achievement. So it is like a thing you can get good at and be like, this is a fun thing. But I would rather people be educated about it at a range with professionals, with safety equipment, rather than just like shooting at old cars in their yard and being like, yeah, I'm an expert. I mean, I feel like I'm a little bit more of a let's ban some stuff because nothing else has worked at this point Mm -hmm. semi-automatic is the problem right now right i I think if you can fire off a couple of bullets without having to reload or anything right you shouldn't have it yeah and i will say the argument that people say that you know well we have a right to defend ourselves listen if somebody wants a drone strike you can't do that with a nine millimeter though yeah i mean you know if you're if you're you're actually trying to defend yourself against high-powered weapons the 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 good luck the defense against that is not even more high-powered weapons because like i said they will just drone strike you from space and what are we all going to get drones now that doesn't even make any sense every american per second amendment gets one (laughs) one drone drone. drone. (laughs) and you can you can drone strike anyone in the country (laughs) all right you know what the only thing that stops a bad guy with a drone is a good it's a good good guy guy with a drone good guy with a drone right So now we have to send our kids to school with guns and drones. And drones. And, yeah. and, drones. and yeah. bulletproof backpacks. Okay, okay. Right? And body armor. Right. And don't forget the armored trucks I mentioned earlier. Yes, absolutely. And stealth blankets for the drones. Yeah. Mm. And full camo. <laughs> Keeping America free. That's Keep right. Florida free. Keep yeah. Florida free, guys. <laughs> I think with that, we're going to take a short break. We're going to do our base towards when we get back. So stick around, guys. Hey, guys. It's Brennan. One of my goals moving into this podcast project was to have the voices of our listeners play an active role in sharing our message that unions public schools, well, they're not going anywhere without a fight. And as we dive deeper into the themes of public education, teachers' unions, and political activism, we want to hear from you, our listeners. If you're a teacher, parent, even a member of the community, we extend an open invitation for you to send us a voice recording with your name, occupation, 
and why you're sticking with the union during these politically turbulent times. We love to play these recordings at the beginning of our episodes and share your thoughts with our listeners. You can send these recordings to PCTA Fire, that's F Y R E pod at gmail.com. Additionally, we encourage you to write to your representative and advocate for teachers' unions and public education. You can easily locate your representative by visiting www.myfloridahouse.gov forward slash find your representative. Your voice can make a difference in supporting education and the future of our students. So take a moment to send us a voice clip and write to your representative. Let's work together to positively impact education for all. Hello there. If you support the podcast, you can now donate directly to us from the link in the description. You can donate 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99 monthly. Your donation can help get me, Aziz, off the streets. Well, unfortunately, Aziz will always be on the streets. He yearns for the streets. But your support will go towards producing high-quality episodes just like the one you're listening to right now. Your support helps us keep gas in the tank, food on our tables, and our classrooms full of pencils and paper. We all know edumacators all over America are undervalued and underpaid. Help us, mooks like me, continue to bring recognition and a voice to education professionals. And we're back. So now we're going to start our base award, which is something that is respectable or agreeable. And to start us off, I'll have my mother go. I had a really good week last week. Um, it was my birthday. And I work at Splash Harbor Water Park in Indian Rocks as a lifeguard. Super fun. And we've had these clients come in since like February. They've been in almost every day. Shirley and Julian, awesome people. And on Friday before my birthday, they literally gave me a card with a Kobe's gift certificate inside. And I just thought that was the sweetest thing. They're not family or anything. They were just guests at the park. So that is very sweet. It's very sweet. sweet. And then we had a nice little dinner at Kobe's. We sure did. And we used that card. (laughs) So mama got her food for free. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this relates to our topic on Instagram. I saw a video clip of a woman who was at the scene of the Nashville shooting and she kind of crashed the media corner. And it was actually Fox News that she was focused on. And directly into the camera, she kind of said like, aren't we over this? Aren't we like done with this? It's been the millionth mass shooting. And aren't you guys tired of covering all of this? How is this still happening? How are our children still dying and why are we failing them? Gun violence is the number one killer of children and teens. It has overtaken cars. Assault weapons are contributing to the border crisis and fentanyl. We are arming cartels with our guns and our loose gun laws. And these shootings and these mass shootings will continue to happen until our lawmakers step up and pass gun safety legislation. I just felt like it was so powerful that she spoke up. So just the fact that the average American can't escape mass shootings in this country, uh, you can't go on a family vacation without seeing it again, was powerful to me. And I also felt like speaking out on the issue was really important. I feel like we need to do that all the time. So yeah. 
I've been talking too much about like you know news and media lately. So boring stuff. Boring Super stuff. boring. I kind of yeah. want to bring it back to planet Earth for a second here. And I had a really great week this week at school, and uh, we recently did a debate in class where I make it a huge spectacle. Like I call teachers from all around the school and say, "Hey, sit in my class and be a judge." And I don't know if you guys know anything about high school students, but they love to yell at each other and argue. I told them we started the quarter. I want to have fun this quarter because we already covered most of the stuff we need to know. So next week, we're going to have a debate on gaming. And you guys can argue whether or not gaming is corrupting the youth. And what do you know? We had 45-minute debates all day, all for six periods. We had these debates. So I had Mr. Aziz in there at one point. I had Miss Santiago from Spanish. I had all sorts of teachers come in, and we were judging them. And the kids were getting really excited about who won and who lost. And it's just nice when... With all the the pressure going on in schools right now, to kind of sit back, put your feet up, and be like, school can be fun. I, I will say I very much enjoy your debates also. I didn't sit in on this time, but I have seen them before. And after your debates this week, um, two of your students, who are two of my former students, were on opposite sides of the debate and were complaining to me about each other's uh, rhetoric and their sources. And then one of them was like following me down the hall saying, oh my God, Bel Castro, this is what happened. And was like giving me the whole play by play. And I was like, this is really cool. This is a cool lesson. That's, That's all so I ever cute. wanted. It's yeah. all I ever wanted. Um, my based award goes to one of our local, actually two of our local uh, establishments. Um, some of the listeners might be familiar with Daddy Cool Records, the record store in St. Pete. Um, and some of our uh, listeners might also be familiar with Ace High Printing. They make stickers and uh, all kinds of other printed materials for a lot of businesses, um, including Daddy Cool around here in St. Pete. So um, super fan Shannon Vincent has the hookup at, uh, at Daddy Cool Records, and she got Manny, the, uh, the owner over there, to foot the bill for a bunch of PCTA Fire podcast stickers that will be available soon. Rick at Ace High Printing is going to be making for us. Manny, we love you. We love you, Manny. You That's are, fire. You are <laughs> Manny, you are extremely based. You are extremely based. You are the, the coolest daddy cool that there is. That is uh, awesome. Thank you, Rick, at Ace High for doing that for us. Um, so we will hopefully have some some cool little PCTA Fire podcast sticker swag floating around. I don't know. I don't know exactly what we're going to do. We'll probably drop it off at some record and bookstores. I think we were talking about dropping off at Tumbleo Books. Maybe, yeah. And then dropping off at um, Book Rescuers, yeah. Um, maybe Wilson's Books. A lot of books. The, the, the sticker is like band booked theme yeah. so so we'll see where we can get it out so we'll announce when they get dropped and if you're a big fan you want to go pick one up go ahead put it in your water bottle try not to vandalize anything of our stickers yeah, please don't vandalize things yeah we don't want to vandalize things but uh get a sticker i have a water bottle it's covered with stickers yep. put them on your laptops laptops skateboards tell your friends tell your mom tell yeah. your grandma <laughs> <laughs> i tell my grandma she listens we're gonna head out of here and thank you for listening to PCTA's Fire Podcast. As always, I'm Brennan. I'm Philip. I'm Emily. And I'm Haley. Thank you guys. Have a great day. Thank you. Hey, everyone. We would like to remind our listeners about important school board meetings taking place on March 21st and April 11th at 10 a.m., as well as a 5 p.m. meeting on April 25th. Remember, it's vital for teachers, parents, and community members to attend these meetings and advocate for public education. 
Your voice and presence can play a significant role in shaping the future of education and improving the lives of students in our community. We want to give a special thank you to Philip Belcastro for providing our theme music and Artifact for adding some great tracks into our intermissions. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Artifact's music at artifactjoints.bandcamp.com. We also want to express our gratitude to Radio St. Pete for airing our podcast, Jamie Beck, Brian Balton, Carla Correa, and Nancy Filardi, as well as all of our supporters in the education community. Your support and dedication has been instrumental to getting the word out and reaching new listeners. Well, that's all for today. I'm Brennan Pickett. You guys have a great day.